Go Cowboys, right? Woo! Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, good morning. Uh, my name is Roy, if I haven't been able to meet you yet. And uh, I get to serve here at Alamo Hills as the lead pastor of this incredible community. So thank you so much for being here. I hope if I haven't been able to say hello, I'd love to say hello to you. Um, sometime later. And uh, as you know, we are so grateful for this space um, that we're in. Dio has been so gracious in offering this to us to be able to use. Um, and we are a family church, and I love it, and I love it, and I love it. And so we're going to be hearing the kiddos behind us having a good time as well. And so if you need help with the sound, feel free to move in. There's more chairs in the front uh, if you need help with kind of the sound level. But thank you for being patient with us as we, uh, as we create a clean, safe, and fun environment for our kiddos. They are uh, one of our number one priorities every Sunday morning and throughout the week. Well, hey, we are moving on into our series uh, that we're going through called Refresh. And we're looking into this letter that Paul wrote to his buddy named Philemon. And uh, we are somehow uh, stretching this series into five different parts. Uh, Philemon is the shortest letter that we have recorded from Paul, uh, but it's so rich, and there's so many great things in this letter that Paul wrote. Um, and so we're actually pulling five principles on how we can also be refreshing Christians. And so this week, we're going to be looking into the lifestyle of love. And as I was prepping for this talk, I was just kind of thinking about just are the, the kind of society that we live in uh, these particular days. Like, aren't we in this kind of dog-eat-dog kind of house of cards society where uh, we even glamorize, like Hollywood glamorizes this sort of lifestyle. We see uh, they make these incredible shows and movies with incredible storylines that really suck us in. And I'm one of those guys, uh, whether you like it or not, where I'm not going to watch a movie if Rotten Tomatoes didn't give it a really good rating. Like, I'm just not going to, which has led Jackie and I to watch some weirdo indie movies. Like, these, these sort of movies that we probably should have turned off, like, within five minutes of starting, but you just kind of get sucked in, and then it just leaves you really confused and unsatisfied. But anyway, we love a good storyline. We love a really good movie, a really great show. Like, how in the world did the Underwoods make it into the White House through anything necessary, right? And if you haven't seen House of Cards yet and I just ruined it for you, then you probably weren't going to watch it anyway, or I don't even know how you didn't know that by now because the show's like long gone and over with and had some of its own drama. But we also love these kind of true stories of things like... Uh, um, like true, uh, like these true reality shows, right? But even like Wolf of Wall Street is another one where it's like, man, these people, they do anything and everything they can to get to the top of their success ladder, like whatever they define success to be. And, and in thinking about these stories, I think, man, how counter is this to the ways of God, right? Like to the kingdom of God, because here's what Jesus said. He said, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their whole soul? But Jesus is saying, what good is it to get to the pinnacle of your career at all costs necessary, stomping on the backs of others just to get to where you think you deserve? Like, what good is it for us to earn summa cum laude or get straight A's if our soul crumbles and dies? 
And while I definitely don't believe that it's inherently evil to have this desire for success, look, I'm a type A personality type of person. I want to succeed and grow and, and do more and even greater things. So I get it. I don't believe that it's inherently evil for us to desire success. I think we ought to be able and want to reach for more, for greater, for higher, for deeper. I think we ought to excel in all that we do and do our best and work really, really hard because the script. The scriptures tell us this. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. See, right there is the secret to the focus that we ought to be having as we work. It says, work for the Lord, not for human masters. Masters, you see, we are eternal beings. Our existence, it goes all the way into eternity. Jesus is saying, y'all, don't think that this is it. Like the whole YOLO idea, it's not true. This idea that I gotta get mine right now, that it's all about me, my desires, my wants, what makes me happy. That's not the way of Jesus. We care so much what other people think about, right? Like myself included, that we let opinions of others, of mere humans be our driving force and our decision maker. We, uh, you know, we wanna get complimented on our house and our car and which J's we have on our feet. We hold the opinions of others at such a high pedestal, just as if they don't stink up a restroom like the rest of us do, right? Our humanity. Our humanity needs to die to ourselves. And so Paul says, he says, hey Philemon, you have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Paul's saying, Philemon, look, it, you're, not those type of, you're not that type of guy where it's all about you. You desire for others to be refreshed. You wanna pour your life out into other people. And the way that you've done this, Phil, this is what Paul says, the way that you've done this is through your love that you have for all the saints. Through the love that you have for all people. See, Alamo Hills, as we continue to be molded into this image of Jesus individually and collectively, see, we do this through the love that we have for all the saints, all the people of God, everyone that comes our way. And, and so last week, we got to talk about this incredible love that God has for us, a love that makes absolutely no sense to the world around us, a love that we've been able to grab a hold of the moment we put our faith and trust in Jesus. We were able to accept this love that he first had for us, the moment that we said yes to Jesus. We received this love that God created for us. See, and it got implanted into our uh, entire being to where our soul is God's soul. Our mind becomes molded into the mind of Christ. Our heart is God's heart. See, we get baptized into the spirit of God, meaning that God's spirit becomes implanted inside the believer, inside our hearts, and we are totally immersed in the spirit. Uh, the words of Jesus, they come alive in our dead bodies and our dead bodies resurrect through this love of Jesus. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. 
That's why last week I wanted to give everyone in the room an opportunity to say yes to Jesus so that Wellspring could be implanted in all of us. Or if we've already said yes to Jesus, we had that opportunity uh, to, be, uh, to be resurrected again. If we felt like our well was running dry, we had that opportunity to ask Jesus to come in and wake us up, to wake up our dry bones and allow his river to overflow from within us. See, and it's not just a one-time thing. Every time we gather together as a people, as the people of God, we want to be able to offer this to our entire uh, guests, like everybody who comes in uh, and worships with us anytime that we gather together. This is the hope of our team that we're able to create an experience and an environment where you're able to encounter Jesus in a fresh new way so that we can be refreshed by God uh, and refreshed by one another. See, because when we are refreshed, when we're refreshed and we're able to go out and refresh others, we're able to do this command of Jesus to love and to feed his sheep and to follow him. You see, the church is God's sheep. And Jesus, he is the good shepherd. The kingdom of God is his sheep's pen. And Jesus says, he says, if you love me, then feed my sheep and follow me. And so this week, I'd love for us to dig in a little bit deeper and, and understand that as Christians, we are called by God to live a lifestyle of love, to live this lifestyle of love. And in John's first letter, uh, he walks us through some beautiful truths that we can use to be refreshing so that we could be refreshed by the Lord and refresh others through the love of Christ. And so if you don't hear me say anything else this morning, hear me say this, that Christ has called us to live a lifestyle of love. If you would welcome Summer up with me, she's going to read our scripture text for this morning, uh, and then we'll continue on our way. Thanks, Summer. Amen. Thank you. Show her some love with me. Thanks, Summer. Thanks, Summer. So what John is saying right here in the letter that he's writing, he's saying that if you consider yourself to be a Christian, then your life better be reflecting this love of Jesus. And so then what, what kind of love is this that he's talking about? It's this love that Jesus showed us where he died for the sake of others. I mean, like, what an extreme test of love, right? I mean, I love you guys, but seriously, that's an extreme test of love. Like, I wouldn't even think twice about taking a bullet for my wife and my daughter. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age where that's not so hypothetical anymore. 
But I wouldn't even think twice about that. But when it comes to, to taking a bullet for my friends, people that aren't my wife and my daughter, I mean, maybe I might think maybe one and a half, maybe twice about it. I mean, maybe I would still do it, but I hope that it never has to come down to that. See, even more in this first century where John is writing, the likelihood that a Christian would have to follow Jesus to the cross and be crucified for the faith uh, and for the faithful was pretty unlikely. While it most certainly did happen, I mean, we, hear, we read stories about uh, other folks being sacrificed for the advancement of the gospel uh, and for the faithful in their, in their areas. And even today, uh, there are stories of Christians who are martyrs, Christians who are currently dying for the faith uh, and for the faithful in their communities. The, the everyday Christian probably isn't gonna be faced with this decision to lose their life for the sake of others. It's probably not gonna happen, but John, see, he knew that. That's why he says right here, he says, look, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and so we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And then he says, also, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. You see, John right here, he's saying, love one another in action. And so then when you do, John says, when you live a lifestyle of love, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Isn't it nice to just rest confidently in the presence of God? And so right here, there are two really great, strong truths that John is talking about that I would love for us to dig in here just for a few moments that, that we have one another together. See, the first is that the way to know that someone is a follower of Jesus is through this lifestyle of love. Not really what comes out of their mouths, but the way that we live. And then the second is if you wanna be assured of your salvation, if you wanna live in this confidence of knowing, heck yeah, I'm on the highway up to heaven for sure, the way that we live in this confidence is really back to the first truth. The first truth that if we live this lifestyle of love, we could be assured of our salvation. And so I'd love for us to expand more on these two points, but don't, don't uh, be mistaken uh, in the lie of thinking that this is a morality coaching session where we're just talking about good works and being a good person. What we're doing is we're looking at the word of God and we're seeing what the Lord is calling us to live to because the life of a Christian is an elevated kind of lifestyle. And so let's look at this together. It says, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. See, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I just don't really think that highway preaching is really all that effective. Like I don't think that these billboards that you can see going down the highway that people spend thousands of dollars on, I'm not too sure that they're, they're really, really effective or, or preachers that are shouting at people on the road or at these different tourist areas uh, that they're all going to hell. Like I've seen them on college campuses when I was a student. I've seen them on, on Hollywood Boulevard or uh, really anywhere in front of the Alamo. I just don't know that this is the most effective way to get people to consider the love of Jesus. I mean, scaring the heck out of people, it's just 
I don't know. It's not, it doesn't seem to be working that well. And I don't know that it's working well for the, the reputation of Christians either. And, and I'm sure people have come to faith. But when we talk about a return of our investment, the return of the labor that God's called us to do, Jesus says that a higher return on our labor is not in what we say, but it's in how we live. It's, it's the way that we treat one another. Remember the story when Jesus separated the sheep from the goats. This is found in Matthew chapter 25. And the sheep, for some reason, they represent uh, the people of God entering in the kingdom with Jesus forever. And then the goats, they represent uh, poor goats, but they represent the folks who are going to hell. And Jesus said, all the sheep, they come to me and they're welcomed into eternal life. Why? Jesus says, because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. Jesus says, you did these things unto me because the folks were like, Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I never saw you hungry and gave you something to eat. I surely never saw you naked because that would have been really weird and giving you clothes to wear. And so they're like, Jesus, what are you talking about? And Jesus said, see, when you did it to these, when you fed my brothers and sisters who were hungry, when you clothed them when they were naked, you did these things to me. And in the same way, Jesus says, those who looked the other way, those who didn't care about the needs of others, especially the folks in their own family and in their own community and even strangers. This is what Jesus says. He says, and they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Y'all, do we understand why this whole notion of YOLO is not a reality? And if you don't know what that is, it's, it's this notion of you only live once and so do whatever the heck you want to do because you only get one shot and one chance and one opportunity, so you might as well go all out. See, do we understand like why it's so important how we treat people in this world today? Do we understand why it's incredibly necessary to not put a blind eye to those who are in need? And, and what I'm not saying is this. I'm not saying that, that everyone ought to go and empty out their 401ks and their college savings plans that, that you're saving up for your kiddos and give it to the church or to give it to those who might be in need around you. That's definitely not what I'm saying unless God's telling you to do that. Then you two need to figure it out for yourselves. But what Jesus is definitely saying what he's definitely saying is this. He's saying that it matters what you do in the here and the now because what you do today will prove where your eternity is. Let me say that again. What you do today will prove where your eternity is. Is. And it's not only your future eternity. What we're talking about, too, is like the here and the now, the immediate effects in your life and in the life of those around you. Paul said, you, Philemon, have refreshed the hearts of God's people through your love. And see, and the way that we love is by reflecting the same, same love that Jesus has for us. See, we receive God's love, and then we give it away, right? We receive God's love, and then we give it away. And God has commanded us to love those around us. And when we do, 
When we live out Christ's love, we prove that we are branded with him, that we abide with and in Jesus and in the family of God. Like there's no doubt about it when we live our lives this way. And so to the second point, then we are assured of our salvation. See, this salvation, it propels us to care for others. We have now this desire to lift other people's burdens up. Like we can't help but to reflect the image of Jesus because he's the one who's living inside of us. He's the one who's guiding our path all along the way. And so when the enemy tries to come in and creep into our minds, when the enemy tries to say, hey, you're no good, when he tries to bring up the guilt and shame in your lives. See, we get to hold fast to the truth and this confidence that we have that our old human natured person, that person has died and gone away and we have been resurrected with Jesus. See, the old self is gone. It's totally dead and that's that's the beautiful picture of baptism, I really hope that if you haven't been baptized yet that we get to celebrate with you in a couple of weeks through baptism because it's this beautiful picture of dying to our sin and dying to our flesh and coming and being raised again in the glory of God the Father through his salvation that he gives to everyone who believes. See, but Satan, what he's trying to do is he's trying to beat a dead person, like how weird is that image in your mind and messed up is that, right? See, that's what's going on here when Satan tries to remind us of our sin and guilt and shame, remind us of our dead person that's long gone. See, when Satan brings up our past sins, when he brings up this guilt and shame into our life, all he's doing is beating up a person who's already dead because those in the faith have been born again. See, we've been redeemed and set free from our sin. And if you believe that, say amen. Amen, right? Does this mean that we're sinless? Like we get to live totally sinless today? Unfortunately, on this side of reality, we still have our flesh and we're still in this constant struggle to sin or to not sin. But what it does mean is this. It means that our identity is not with the dead. Our identity is grafted in and molded in with the identity of Jesus. If you would just listen with me to this amazing prayer that Jesus gave to God the Father on our behalf. It's this prayer that allowed us to become one with God the Father, even within our sinful nature on this side of eternity. Here's what Jesus uh, prayed to God the Father. He said, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. See right here Jesus is saying that I am in them God and you are in me. And let's do this, God, so that they can be in complete unity with us, so that the world will know love. This is how the world knows love. That's it. Right here, in the right here and the right now, it matters. 
What we do with and for one another matters. How we treat this family that we call Alamo Hills Church matters. How we treat our family, our coworkers, our neighbors, strangers, it matters because we must be living in this lifestyle of love. And church, let me just say that we are living this way together right now. And every day, I'm so blessed and honored to call you guys my friends. See, in the world, by the world standards, Alamo Hills should be totally insolvent right now. When we were stripped from major funding, we should be totally uh, history by now. But God is a miracle worker, and he did not have that in mind. And so the church came together, and we started feeding one another. And in one month, our church community came together and we raised three times the giving that we as a church had been giving over the past 10 months so that we can stand together. Amen. See, so we can stand together and thrive with one another. See, every time in this church that, that one of the leaders gets a report that somebody is sick or has experienced a loss, Lacey automatically gets activated and activates our congregation to do a meal train so that we flood our family with food so that that's one less thing that they have to care about. We love and care for one another, feeding the sheep of God here at Alamo Hills. Uh, there's another friend of mine here in our church who feels like he's going through hell right now, and by all means, he is. But God is continuing to see him through, through you, through this church community. He said that he was on Facebook the other day, and his buddy had posted, uh, this, uh, had posted this post, and what, it wrote, what he wrote was, hey, who's been uh, checking in on you throughout the week? Nobody. That's what I thought. So go and take care of yourself. Well, you know what my buddy said? He said, you know, I read that and I thought, you know, that, that's not my story. Every, almost every single day, somebody from Alamo Hills is checking on me, seeing if I need anything, praying with me, telling me that everything's going to be okay, offering me encouragement in the Lord. And I told him, yeah, that's, what's being, that, that's what being a part of the church is all about. One another coming around together feeding one another, loving each other. This is what the church is called to do. And so my hope and our hope is that this church continues to be a refuge of hope, a place where we can thrive together in Christ. See, our vision as a church is to spread this lifestyle of love everywhere, everywhere we go. That's why we're partnering with Young Life as a church, we're committed to partnering and coming alongside Young Life and resourcing them and helping them make sure that they have a strong launch in their first year here in Alamo Ranch and in Westover Hills because Young Life knows how to love in action. They love these students right where they are. See, they go to where the kids are. They meet them on their turf, bringing them Jesus wherever the student goes. They're kind of like a gospel DoorDash, if you will, bringing the gospel to the kids where they are. See, and we know as parents, we know that when you touch the heart of our kids, you're touching the heart of the family. And through our partnership with Young Life, when they go and they do this, and when we touch the hearts of the family, Alamo Hills and Young Life is going to be there hand in hand to be able to offer Jesus to the entire family in our communities. 
See, we're multiplying our reach together. Whenever you invest your time, your energy, your talent, and your resources here, our reach goes even further together. That's why the hope of our church is to save up enough resources so that we can be in the school, so we can be worshiping every Sunday morning in one of these schools that Young Life is already ministering to, that our kids, kids from our kids' ministry is spending most of their weekend, so we can always have in the forefront of our mind our mission to reach our community for Jesus. That's the mission that we've been given from God, to go and live out his love everywhere we go. See, because when we receive God's love, we give it away. And so now as I close uh, our time together, see, I want you to know that there will for sure be people in your life that, you know, when you offer them this kindness and hospitality, when you offer them the truth of this love, they're not going to want it. Uh, Don't let them beat you down. Like whenever you offer them this olive branch and they take the branch and just break it and watch it drop to the floor right in front of you. I hope that you don't let that be the end all and be all for you. See, because Jesus knew that this was gonna happen. And he literally said, that's okay, y'all. That's okay, my daughter. When you offer someone love and they spit in your face, Jesus said, just shake the haters off. I mean, he literally said that. You can read the scripture right behind me. He said, if anybody will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake those haters off. That's the 2019 version. See, we got to remember that Jesus was first rejected. He was first rejected for this love that he was offering to other people. This love that he wanted to freely give to anybody who would receive it. But he didn't quit. See, Jesus went all the way to the end of his life to prove his love for us. And so now we get to follow Jesus all the way into eternity and prove that his love lives inside the believer. And as we do, we're just feeding one another. And so we get to live this legacy Together, we get to refresh the saints. We get to refresh our community and refresh the world. Y'all, we already are doing this, but there's so much more. There's so much more that we're going to do together, and I can't wait to see what God has in store for all of us. And so may we be refreshing the hearts of those around us through this fragrance of God's love, living a lifestyle of love everywhere we go. Would you pray with me? God, you are alive. Jesus, you are alive and you're active. Your spirit is in this place. God, would you, would you fill us up even more with your spirit? God, would you fill us up with your love, your joy, your peace, Your patience, God, love is patient. I have to tell myself that every single day, God, that love is patient. God, would you forgive us of our sins because they are many. We know that when we ask, we receive your forgiveness. So thank you for that. Lord, I pray for my friends in this room that may not know you yet, may not have experienced this incredible love. God, would they experience it today? 
God, I pray that they would surrender to your love and say yes and see that this surrender, there's so much freedom in your love, in the confidence of our salvation, Lord, that we're not only saved so that we don't enter hell, but we're saved, God, so that we can live in freedom today and right now. God, I thank you so much for this uh, team that works so hard in turning off the DJ booth. God, I love these, these guys and these girls that work so hard. Would you bless their families? God, thank you for the kids who we get to share the room with. God, I pray that this word would not return void in their hearts, and their little hearts. And Lord, in our hearts, would you work in and through us, Father, so that we can live out your love everywhere we go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And a few more moments uh, just connecting with God uh, in your own space. Uh, the band is going to come back up and sing a song over us. Uh, just a few more moments of that. But allow God to just speak to you. I mean, if you want to stand up or sit down or do whatever, um, I would even love to pray with and for you. We'll have a, a, some of our prayer team will be in the back. Um, if you'd love to be prayed with and for, I would love the privilege to be able to pray uh, with you as well. So let's spend the next few moments just connecting with the Lord uh, in a deeper way as the band comes up and sings over us.